And um, more specifically, it has been classified as a class one carcinogen, which means it's cancer causing mm. by the uh, International Agency for Research on Cancer. So it's up there with like tobacco, with asbestos, with radiation, with wow. processed meats, <laughs> wow. which was added more recently. But alcohol has been considered a toxin for decades, cancer causing toxin, and it's well known, well established. Do you believe that God wants you healthy? Then join me, Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast, where we help you realize the relationship between your health and your purpose. We share how eating like Daniel can revolutionize your life. Through discussions and interviews, we challenge you to discover the powerful connection between plant-based nutrition, your body, and your faith. It's time. Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy for My Purpose. Um, we are going to be talking about, some call it controversial, some call it matter of fact, we're going to be talking about alcohol, your health, and your faith. Um, and we thought it was a really good topic because I think there's just so many views around alcohol and it's a touchy issue. You know, I know they say don't talk about religion, money, but I almost say alcohol sometimes comes into that too. You know, people are very touchy around that subject in the church, out of the church, and we just want to unpack it, have a conversation about it. Hopefully it will give you some insights on how you want to go about alcohol in your own life. Um, and so that's what we're going to dive into. So Gigi, you wrote an article, and I think this is what kind of sparked this podcast. I thought it was a really good article on um, you know, the whole issue around alcohol and your health, yeah. because we get so much mixed messages in the media, like alcohol is good for you. Alcohol, if you drink a glass of wine every day, your heart health, and there's just so many mixed messages. And you really wrote a very concise, clear article on the truth about alcohol in all of its aspects, just in the raw science without any you know, distractions and stuff. So let's talk about it. What, what did yeah. you write in that article? What do you want to start off with? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this article, I guess had been brewing in the back of my head for a little while. And then, you know, how sometimes the Holy spirit just says, just go do something and you don't even think about it. You just kind of go and do it. And that's what happened that day when I wrote it, it just kind of, mm. you know, I just pulled it together and it was, you know, honestly, I had written articles in the past about alcohol, but um, this one I felt, you know, really elaborated a little bit more and better. Um, and I think a, the controversy around alcohol stems from people who drink versus mm. people who don't drink. And then people who don't drink don't drink oftentimes because they used to drink and they stopped drinking and they yeah. don't want to go back to where they were in that place. Right. And people who maybe for religious reasons, or um, maybe there was a family member in the, you know, that struggled with alcohol, maybe it was even abusive, you know, so they're just kind of like, they've sworn off alcohol mm -hmm. altogether. Yeah. And so, um, and so, and then plus the stories in the Bible around alcohol, you know, I think have, have also kind of added to a little bit of this kind of back and forth. Mm -hmm. So alcohol, you know, from in today's science, we know a lot more about alcohol. Um, it's also when I was going through, um, through my nutrition studies, you know, I, it was, it was brought to my attention that alcohol is also called ethanol. I remember first learning about it as a macronutrient along with carbohydrates, protein, and fat, that it's its own separate macronutrient, even though it's not a nutrient because it's an yeah. empty, empty calorie, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, basically an alcohol is called ethanol, but at least the one that we ingest in the form of wine, beer, and liquor. So ethanol is actually a toxin mm. and um, more specifically, it has been classified as a class one carcinogen, which means it's cancer causing mm. by the uh, international agency for research on cancer. 
So it's up there with like tobacco, with asbestos, with radiation, with processed meats, (laughs) which was added more recently. But alcohol has been considered a toxin for decades, cancer-causing toxin, and it's well-known, well-established. So Mm, what happens when, yeah, I mean, so when we drink this stuff, it just kind of breaks down in our system. And what it does is it forms this this substance, this very dangerous, toxic substance called acetaldehyde. And that is really what creates the damage in our body. Mm. Yeah, well, if you're saying that this has been something that's just been known, um, again, I think, again, the marketing and the packaging of alcohol in our time now has done a wonderful job to... Um, you know, erase or whitewash that that knowledge because most people, um, you know, would not even know that, would not know that it's on the level of, you're talking about asbestos and all these cancer-causing um, chemicals that we would never know that. So even beyond just, you know, that, like what are, I, I know you talked about in the article that even the damage that it does to our body the reasons why people gravitate towards alcohol Mm. can be an issue sometimes in terms of, you know, yes, it's, you know, why, why so many people are, are going to it and, and what are the dangers around that? Like it's, it's a feel good, it's a party lifter. It's a, and and that Mm -hmm. can be a very dangerous line. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. 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 And you know, I, I kind of draw a little bit of a parallel to when, you know, when we're going, when we're facilitating our healthy Christian woman boot camp, and we talk about using toxic food, you know, emotional eating, that it becomes addictive. I feel like alcohol is kind of, you know, along the lines, I feel like if you're, if you have stressors in your life, emotional problems, that we tend to lean into something that's going to give us some temporary relief, whether it's that cheesecake, or it's that bottle of wine, it gives us a temporary escape. And alcohol is a psychoactive substance, it's dependence producing. So what that means is that it's a drug that actually affects your mind and it's easy to get addicted to. I mean, that's why, you know, you you see these programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and these substance abuse Um, programs to help people get off because it's not as easy when you've been drinking for a long time chronically drinking um, and it doesn't even have to be drinking you know a six pack a day chronic drinking it could just be drinking one to two drinks a day which is kind of what the guidelines have historically said is a quote-unquote safe amount to drink right Um, up until last year that changed and um and so what happens is that you know it's used as this temporary feel good escape from life stressors and whatever emotional problems that you're running into and so when you drink regularly it starts off as this temporary kind of feeling of this buzz or this little it, you don't even have to be sloppy drunk it's just this buzz this you know, feeling good and you're, you're like enjoying it. You're, you, and as you drink and you continue, you almost get this feeling of inhibition. You know, um, some people will tend to be more chatty when they drink. Um, and some people, you know, tend to feel more alert and more energized when they drink. Um, sometimes you'll see, um, or maybe you've been to, you know, like a like a football Super Bowl party or something, and people yeah. are drinking, and then everybody's yeah. jumping on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, yeah. But you know, and then you know, a lot of times for people, there's this term called liquid courage, like when you drink. Um, and this goes back to reducing your inhibitions mm. where you just feel braver than you would when you're not drinking. And yes. um, it, when you're in that buzzed kind of, you know, even drunk state, it doesn't even have to be completely drunk or fully drunk that you tipsy, get. This, is that the word? The tipsy. tipsy yeah. Tipsy. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That's a cute that's way it. of saying it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what it is. And 
It's interesting that you say that. I'm going to read from Ephesians 5, 5 verse um, 18, and it says, Do, don't destroy yourself by getting drunk, but let the spirit fill your life. I think mm. that kind of coincides because what you're saying or what I hear you saying is that we could use alcohol um, to meet needs, whether it's like you said, whether it's I'm shy and I didn't get myself up to something or whether I'm going through problems or stress. But the Bible says, get away from alcohol, be filled with the spirit. Mm. Because at the end of the day, the spirit, the Holy Spirit can help you address those issues. The Holy Spirit can give you the confidence to do something that maybe you're fearful of or whatever the case may be. So that scripture kind of directly addresses this idea that there's a, there's a contrast between being drunk and being filled with the spirit. Right. Both are trying to do something. One is the, the correct way that's going to actually solve the problem. And the other way is just going to lead you to drunkenness, emptiness, and not really solving the problem. Right, right. And actually leading to more problems. And leaving to more problems, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. we can't even count. And, and I know drinking is not all about getting addicted. So we just want to put that out there. But the road, the end of the road of what alcohol abuse can be is devastating. Yeah. Like the, the destruction of families and homes and marriages and children, it is I mean, we could go into just the studies that they did on children that grew up in alcoholic homes and the side effects, and we, we don't even have to get into that. But one thing we know for sure is that alcohol can destroy lives if you go over into that deep end. Of it. Right, right. And, and it could, and, and this is where the science is catching up. Mm. It can also destroy lives by way of promoting chronic illness, like cancer, for example, which wow. is very prevalent alcohol. And we can, you know, link back to the podcast we did with Dr. Orman. Um, but, you know, alcohol, even one glass a day, every couple of days, um, increases your risk of getting breast cancer. Um, because it just, it, the thing about alcohol is that it is both water soluble and fat soluble, which means that it crosses into the blood brain barrier like super quick, quickly and goes into whatever cells it wants to go into. Right. And um, if you, um, and so I certainly there's a, a dose dependent, you know, kind of relationship, which we can get into where, you know, the more you drink, the greater you're at risk for, you know, something like cancer. Um, but it's, it's there's, you know, alcohol is becoming, people are be, becoming more aware that no drinking is really the best course of act, action. I mean, certainly if you're going to your sister's wedding and there's a champagne toast and that's the only time you drink, you know, like once every three years, you know, probably not a risk um, or not a you know, it's very de minimis as far as the risk level goes. But but I think what people don't realize is that even just drinking, having the drinks on Friday night and Saturday night um, still creates risk for cancer. Wow. Um, and the, the other thing about drinking, you know, you have this euphoria we talked about, you're kind of coming up. So you're in that temporary state, kind of like when you're eating that cheesecake, the that there's this crash, you know, that happens when, when it starts to wear off. And usually the outcome of that is, you know, feeling, feeling lousy, feeling tired, sometimes, you know, feeling depressed or regretful that you were drinking, you know, the night before. Um, and so, you know, there's these, there are consequences short-term to drinking in addition to long-term as far as, you know, creating disease risk in your body. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said that. I, and I think you said the World Health Organization actually came out and said, there's no level that's safe. Yeah. I think, I think that needs to be said loud and clear because I think a lot of times when we have the conversation around health and alcohol, 
it either we are talking about somebody who's excessively drinking and they've, you know, they're obviously, they're off on the deep end. They're going to have a lot of kidney problems, cancer, but we don't talk much about, like you're talking about that limited amount of every day. I'm just having a glass of wine or maybe on the weekends, but that also has come out to say is not safe. And so we need to have the conversation, I think, with those people, because I know we're preaching to the choir when we talk about alcohol abuse and all of that. It's a given. Everybody agrees that's not good. But that little gray space yeah. of drinking the glass of wine every day, the glass or two on the weekends and yeah. all of that, you're saying that the World Health Organization came out recently saying that no level of alcohol is safe. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that, because I think that is where we kind of lose ourselves in because we're like, well, I'm not drinking excessively, so I'm good. Yeah, I, I'd like to just, if you don't mind, just yeah. re- read the excerpt from yeah. the the article that they wrote and then we yeah. attach it to the show notes of this yeah. podcast. But um, it's under the header risks start from the first drop. So risk of drinking alcohol starts from the first drop, it says. Um, to identify a quote unquote safe level of alcohol consumption, valid scientific evidence would need to demonstrate that at and below a certain level, there is no risk of injury or illness associated with alcohol consumption. The new World Health Organization statement clarifies currently available evidence cannot indicate the existence of a threshold at which the carcinogenic effects of alcohol switch on or start to manifest in the human body. Moreover, there are no studies that would demonstrate that the potential benefits affect the benefit, excuse me, to demonstrate that the potential beneficial effects of light and moderate drinking on cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes outweigh the cancer risk associated with these same levels of alcohol consumption for individual consumers. And this is a quote from, from Dr. Um, Karina uh, Fiera Borges, who's the acting unit lead for non-communicable disease management um, and the regional advisor for alcohol and illicit drugs in the World Health Organization. She says, um, we cannot talk about a so-called safe level of alcohol use. It doesn't matter how much you drink. The risk to the drinker's health starts from the first drop of any alcoholic beverage. The only thing that we could say for sure is that the more you drink, the more harmful it is. And she goes on. So, you know, it's pretty clear. I mean, she said it, it starts from the first drop, mm, you know, pretty serious. And yeah. so it, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of, and, and I think, you know, I think also the disservice around saying that one to two drinks is okay. Now keep in mind what I'm, what I'm quoting here is guidance that, you know, um, I don't know, I, I got to go back and check, but I think it's, I think it's the FDA or mm-hmm. some guidelines mm-hmm. for, you know, I don't know if it's the USDA, FDA, the guidelines mm-hmm. for Americans, mm-hmm. but um, we'll attach that as well. Mm-hmm. But, but basically what, what I was taught in school was that one glass of alcohol per day is acceptable for women and two for men. And it has a lot to do with your weight. So if you're a bigger person, you could, you could drink more. If you were a smaller person, you you would wow. drink less. Yeah. yeah. So they give you this illusion that it's okay to drink when, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not okay. It's not that cut so, and dry. so let's get into some of the specifics because we talked about the cancer. Obviously you, you, you talked a lot about the breast cancer and so forth. Let's talk about how it affects your health. In the article, you talked about brain health, mental health, gut health, obesity, heart health, mm-hmm. um, the ability to affect your sleep and your motor function. So you talked about a lot of different specific areas um, that alcohol actually affects. You want to chime in on some of those? Yeah. So when we talk about brain health, um, you know, so again, this goes back to the regular low to moderate consumption, the one to two drinks per day scenario, which is, I think, where the majority of drinkers fall. is that it causes brain atrophy. And so it's basically a loss of neurons or this term neurodegeneration. 
Um, and there was a study that was published last year that that supported that because everyone has already known, you know, the heavy drinker scenario is, mm -hmm. you know, damages the brain in that way, mm -hmm. but nobody really looked at the, the moderate drinker. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely that dose response relationship. The more you drink, the more damage you do to your brain. Mental health. So, you know, mental health, as far as like anxiety and depression, um, alcohol is, you know, it has this, there's this like vicious cycle with alcohol, because sometimes people will drink because they have, you know, they're depressed about something in their life, they just went through a breakup in life, or they got fired from a job or something happened that, you know, became, um, you know, a, a stressor in, in life. And so you kind of reach for that alcohol to kind of calm your nerves. Well, what happens is that, you know, the chemical effect of drinking alcohol um, basically contributes to the anxiety and can contribute to the depression. So it becomes like this vicious cycle where it's, you know, it's basically, um, you know, they feed each other. You know, the, the alcohol feeds the anxiety and depression and the anxiety and depression feed the alcohol. So it just kind of goes back and forth. Mm. When we talk about gut health, um, it does absolutely affect the microbiome. Um, it does kill, it's been shown to um, basically kill the good bacteria or the probiotics in your gut. Um, so it, it's also been linked to digestive issues like leaky gut. So this is where the, the gut lining is damaged yeah. and that causes more, you know, intestinal permeability that, you know, invites more toxins into your body um, or, you know, things like inflammatory bowel disease, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. Um, so the, there's a, a link there. Um, with respect to obesity, you know, um, we kind of talked about the empty calories, you know, there's seven calories per gram, um, in alcohol and ethanol. And so, you know, we know that for, you know, fat contains about nine calories per gram, which is, you know, also when you consume too much fat, it can lead to weight gain. Um, and, and so in this case, you know, what we're talking about, as far as obesity, there's a few things that are happening because there is an association with alcohol consumption and visceral fat and, or abdominal fat. And so you've, you've heard of like the beer belly, um, for example. Um, so this is where, you know, obviously if you, it, I don't know if it's obvious, but when you have, you know, excessive abdominal fat and you have that apple shape where you're, you know, bigger in the middle and little skinny legs, it's more dangerously you know, metabolically than if, you know, if you had a, you know, um, more weight in your, in your booty and thighs. So if you had the pear shape, it's less dangerous metabolically than having that apple shape. Um, the other thing that has been shown is that alcohol leads to craving more salty and greasy foods. And this is why, you know, sports bars, you know, supply that they supply both the alcohol and the greasy food. So the deep fried onion rings, French fries, the, the loaded, you know, cheeseburgers and, and all of that. And so, you know, certainly that's going to contribute to weight gain and obesity. Um, and then I would say the other thing is that, um, um, you know, with the heart health piece, you know, it's it's a known contributor to things like high blood pressure in terms of making it worse in terms of you know just heart disease in general but i think what people have tried to make the case for is red wine is good for your heart and really it's not so much the red wine it's the grapes right it's the it's the resveratrol um which is a you know it's an antioxidant anti-inflammatory so you can get the resveratrol just by eating the red grape and not necessarily drinking the red wine. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, just eat the grapes, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And I, and I, and I think you mentioned, and you know, we were talking about like sleep and stuff, sleep and yeah. motor function. I think that, you know, with sleep, 
the um the issue with sleep is that drinking so you might say oh i need a i need a drink to go to sleep well yeah it does act as a sedative at first um but the problem is that as it gets metabolized in your body um it converts from acetaldehyde to acetic acid and that affects your rem sleep your rapid eye movement sleep and so what's what's wrong with that so people who drink may notice that okay i have no problem falling asleep but then i wake up and then i can't go back to sleep and or even if you are able to go back to sleep the quality of your sleep is reduced so you might be putting in seven or eight hours of sleep but the quality of that sleep is not restorative and so because it affects your rapid eye movement um sleep that that then in turn you know affects your learning ability your memory and your mood which goes back to the anxiety and depression that we talked about yeah so it seems like it's a, it's a vicious cycle they're also interconnected right yeah 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 and i i think the the last way because we talked about cancer you know mm -hmm. um you know as far as the it also we talked about breast cancer but there's esophageal cancer stomach cancer colon cancer, cancer of the bowel. Um, but also it impairs your motor function. So we know about obviously like drunk driving, um, you know, being a, you know, a contributor to alcohol related deaths and injuries. Um, but also things like falling, you know, um, tripping and falling and, and hitting your head on something, or, you know, even just because of the inhibition of it, you know, it, it could, it could lead to things like fist fights, you know, um, and it does, you know, when people, you hear about people going out to the bar and then someone got up in somebody else's face and punched them, you know, and then and that could then lead down a whole nother road of get, going to jail and everything. So there's, there's just a lot of, you know, things around alcohol that are more dangerous than I think people really realize and, and or don't want to accept because they're really using that as that emotional crutch that that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, that is that is that's a good point. Um, and so I know directly there's, you know, a lot of people scripturally would say, well, there's absolutely no place that says do not drink in the Bible. I know most of the scriptures, I mean, in Proverbs, I'll list them in the show notes, talk about this idea about getting drunk and being a fool and making bad decisions. And there's this whole essence around um, drinking to get drunk, which I think is the underlying, um, because I think when somebody drinks to get drunk, I think there's already a precursor going into that, which is what you talked about, which is whether it's a problem or frustration. And so you kind of go into it why you would even escalate it. So I think they kind of marry each other there. Um, and so as someone who's a Christian, I think, I think now that we've kind of, I think really looking for the scripture that says do not drink at all may not be the right question. Mm -hmm. But I think after listening to, this and you know all the aspects of where alcohol could lead a better question would be you know is it is it pure enough to be in my body as my temple back to the being healthy for your purpose and what you put in your body and what you put into your mouth so if you're saying you know what cigarettes are bad junk food is bad you have to kind of put alcohol through that lens because now we realize that it's not just an ethical thing of whether i drink or i don't drink but alcohol is loaded with um side effects mm -hmm. emotionally physically and even spiritually, because like I said, we're using it sometimes what the spirit should be doing. And so I think the right question is more like, is alcohol right for my temple? Not whether or not it says in the Bible, should I do it or should I not? Because we lose the real um, decision making around it when we make it a black and white conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not in the Bible. So that means I could drink it. Well, hold up a minute. There's a lot of things that aren't in the Bible, but we have to filter it through. Is it healthy? Is it safe? What would Jesus do today? You know, and is and here's a here's a controversial question for you, G. I don't know if you have the answer just off the cuff. Um, is the alcohol different in modern times than you would say centuries ago? 
Are, would you be drinking the same wine? Is it the exact same thing, or is there is there more layers to the type of alcohol that we have available today, or, or, or what's the stance on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't say. I would say yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that, you know, it's different because it's not, you know, ma- it wasn't mass produced back, back then. There's probably some more additives that are added to the alcohol, like the wine that you're buying to keep it, you know, preserved and whatnot. But I would say it's not because, you know, it, it happens, it occurs because there's fermentation. So the fermentation of, you know, the, the grape, uh, if you will, becomes, you know, alcohol. And then when it gets to a, you know, a certain level. So if people were drinking and getting drunk back then, which we know, you know, from Noah's days, it goes way back <laughs> that, um, that, 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 that it's not, it's not different in the sense that it still, metabolizes in the human body, you know, through the liver to create this acetaldehyde, that that is the toxic substance that then goes on to create, that changes your DNA. It literally changes your DNA and doesn't discriminate where in the body it's going to do that. And that's why it's linked to so many different types of cancer. It's not like drinking is only associated with esophageal cancer because it goes down your throat. It's also associated with breast cancer, with colon cancer, with stomach cancer. Yes, it's mostly in the digestive tract, um, but it is also with, you know, like I mentioned, the breast cancer. So it, it um, I would say no, um, it's not really that different um, as far as the, the DNA changes it can do to your body. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't necessarily think you know, cause I've, I've heard people say, well, Jesus drank wine. At the wedding. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't know if, I mean, and this is where it's the dose response relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're chronically drinking every weekend or once a day, even mm-hmm. if it's just one drink, mm-hmm. that's vastly different than someone going to, to a wedding, a friend's yeah. wedding who yeah. just got married once and they had wine there and then that was it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so. and here's the other caveat, too, because every place or the majority of times that you see, besides the, the miracle when Jesus turned the water into wine, wine was actually used in a in a miraculous way. But most of everywhere else where you're seeing alcohol, it's someone getting drunk and getting into a lot of trouble. And the scriptures reflect that. Um, but I think here's another thing that I think changes our modern times is the accessibility like for you to go to a wedding you know back in the in Jesus time and you're going to a wedding and you're traveling how many miles and you, you have that wedding you may not go to another one for so many years or months or whatever but for us we have alcohol on our fingertips like you could go to the corner store you can go to the grocery store everywhere anywhere you could order it online you never have to leave the house you could put it in the you know i don't know if you put it in the instacart let me verify that but you can literally get alcohol anywhere any place anytime and so it's far more um alluring for Mm -hmm. us it's marketed to us on the television and at the games and at, at social events and parties and concerts and you know, and so, and you know, here we talk, and, and we could talk about this after, but I mean, the other part is the communion, but a lot of churches just do grape juice. So we're not really bringing the wine in that perspective, but it's seen as very intentional at a wedding. Now churches, we can do communion, which is just grape juice. It's not really alcohol, but the point is it's situational, right? not the overconsumption culture that we're in with alcohol that you could just buy it at your fingertips. Right, right. Right. And it, and it does go back to the intention around drinking because the chronic, I'm going to just drink on the weekends when I'm done with work because I'm stressed out and da, 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 da. Um, you know, it seems very innocent, but over time, especially if you've got some other comorbidity issues, like you have obesity and, you know, I'm talking to the ladies out there listening, um, you know, that is another um, risk factor for, for, um, heart, for cancer, breast cancer is obesity, alcohol consumption, and then certainly, you know, eating a diet, um, that's, you know, high in cancer causing 
substances, you know, like, you know, like meats and grilled meats and processed meats and that side of sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's and how you're using it to as that emotional crutch. But I'll tell you, you know, I am I'm I'm saying all this, but I have a history of drinking alcohol. And um, and so my personal story around alcohol actually started at an early age. You know, I think my um, my parents and they told me why they did it. Well, my dad, he he would let me sip his brandy. I could be he would be sitting on on his in his favorite chair, you know, smoking a cigarette, drinking his cognac or his brandy. And I would come up, sit on his lap and he would let me sip it, you know, just like taste it. And um, and then we would, you know, I would say maybe in junior high or even high school, um, go to this this uh, Mexican restaurant. It was our favorite little Mexican restaurant. And um, my mom would order a margarita and she'd let me sip her margarita. And, you know, from their standpoint, they were just like, well, you're going to try it at some point anyway, you might as well get introduced to it. So you know how to behave yourself, you know, when you're in a social setting, that was their logic. And, um, and this was back in the, you know, 70s. So it's a totally different environment today. I think if they tried to do that, they'd be in jail. Um, <laughs> But so what happened was that drinking went from, you know, doing it at, you know, before legal drinking age, you know, even in high school, you know, we would go to certain places and get beer, you know, from people who would sell it to underage drinkers. And, um, and then it went into college. And, and then, you know, after graduating, it was just everywhere, you know, I would, we would go out for happy hour, you know, or, uh, I was working as a trust officer when I first graduated um, from from college and at a bank. And we would take clients out, high net worth clients out. It'd be myself and either the you know portfolio manager or somebody else and or their lawyer. And we would go out to lunch, not every day, but we would go out to lunch and I would, um, you know, we would have like a cocktail, like a martini or a glass of wine. I mean, we weren't getting drunk, but you would get it. You would drink enough to get a little chilled, you know, like you would feel it. And of course, the rest of the afternoon was like useless. I wasn't productive at all. Um, and it wasn't all the time. It just happened a few times with in that scenario. But, um, you know, as I continued in my career, you know, moving out of financial services into manufacturing, it didn't change, you know, it was just, it looked different. We would go to, we would have, you know, leadership meetings um, or training or whatever it was. And it would be like that evening, we'd all go out to dinner and alcohol was always very present um, at those events. So it was kind of regular. And, and so, you know, I would say that, and then I would say that also led to when I ran into stresses, like at work or things that were disappointments in my life, that I would, um, that I would use alcohol as kind of like what we were talking about earlier as a way to deal with life stresses. Oh, I had a bad day. I'm going to have some wine, <laughs> you know, um, and so I found myself in a place, and this was actually before, um, before I changed my whole diet in 2012, but I would say I was drinking at my heaviest right before I changed my diet. And that then led to me kind of changing my, my alcohol um, habit. Um, not that I quit drinking, but I significantly reduced it because I had other things that were more important in my life, like cycling and, and that sort of thing and running. Um, but it was, I think at its worst, I was probably drinking the equivalent of maybe 10 to 12, you know, drinks a week. Um, and, and so after that, kind of after that period, and I kind of started on a new path, it went down quite a bit. Um, I think I'm, I'd been averaging about four to six a week. Um, and, and I would say in 2020, it started something shifted, you know, and it was around the time you and I got together when I started feeling God nudging me to quit drinking. And, and the way it showed up was, 
um, regret in the morning or just this nagging feeling like, why am I doing this? Like, and it was just out of habit. You know, I'd just been doing it so long. And um, I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was never someone who was like getting hammered. It was just more social. You know, I would go to the brewery with Kevin and on Wednesdays and I would have, you know, a beer, beer and a half because they do like half pints. And um, and then it was just kind of like I just started feeling it was like it was kind of like, you know, I was reading um I think it was in Revelation. I forgot what chapter it was. I think it's Revelation chapter three, the one where Jesus is knocking on the door, you know, and it was kind of like, I, I realized now that he had been knocking on the door in 2020, but I was like, nobody's home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't answering the door. And then in November, you know, after I closed my studio, um, I, I just decided to quit drinking and I had done it with a friend of mine who, um, was kind of in the same place as me. And so we just decided we would stop drinking and I was like, cool, let's do it. And so oh, awesome. I, 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 I never looked back. So it's been, you know, about six months now. And, uh, so I finally answered the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it was kind of like, now I'm looking back and it's like, when I, when I changed my diet, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, man, I really wish I would have done that sooner. I wish I would have done it back in 2020 because yeah. I, I didn't know it was going to um, have such a, I mean, I kind of knew it, but I didn't know to the degree mm -hmm. that yeah. it would have such a, a physical benefit on my overall body. Like, um, and, and just my um, just my overall health. I just know yeah. it's right. You know, like I yeah. feel right. I feel one with, with God in the world now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny you say that. And I, I think, you know, for me growing up, I remember way, way back, maybe my dad used to have like a Guinness. This was way back when I was very small. And then when my dad became a Christian, I've never, like, I, I don't even think I've ever seen my mother drink before ever. Uh -huh. I don't think I've ever seen her drink, but I remember him when I was small, he would have something like a Guinness or something to that effect. And then after he became a Christian, this is like in your child's mind, seeing this, I don't, he's never, I've never seen him drink. So drink. So maybe from the time I was about maybe seven or six, I never really saw him drink. So I never really had a culture of drinking like in our family. So by the time I went off to university and stuff like that, I was always the person that I was a taster. Like I'd be like, oh, let me taste that. Let me see. And then I'd be like, oh, this is horrible. And then sometimes I would drink it, but I, and then I would just keep doing that. And then at one point in my life, it, I don't know if that was God or what, but it was just like, why are you forcing yourself to to taste or to drink this thing and you don't even like the taste of it? Like it, and for, and I went to a wine testing, this was years ago. And as soon as I drank the wine, I got a headache. This yeah. was the red wine. And they, and then I re realized that there was something in it that they said certain people get headaches with certain. And so there was always a catch with me. Either I would get a headache. I would feel so sleepy right away just from the taste. Yeah. That I, and, but I kept going on and trying this. Let me try this. Let me just taste yours. So I wasn't necessarily a drinker until one day I just had to say, why are you, you just don't drink because you first, number one, it doesn't even agree with you. And then now with everything that you know, it doesn't even make sense. So that's kind of like my little journey of, of drinking. Um, yeah, it's more so it just never agreed with me. But again, in social context, and somebody else had it, I'd be like, Oh, let me taste that or I would or I would buy something and never drink it and waste it. So I was that type of trying to fit in more culturally or saying, Oh, this is the right thing to do, or everybody's having a wine with the meal, it's supposed to be the thing. But then I would sip it and be like, Oh, I have a headache. Oh, and then I'd end up wasting it. So for me, I had to realize that alcohol could also be a social pressure mm -hmm. in social settings and being able to, it's kind of like when you change your diet, being able to stand against the social setting, even when you know it doesn't serve you. So yeah. I knew it didn't serve me, but I would be in a social setting and be like, oh, okay, I'll pair that with that. And I would just get it for the heck of it. Um, not realizing now, I'm just like, 
it doesn't serve me. I don't even like the taste anyway. And it gives me a headache and whatever yeah. else. So I just don't even bother. So yeah. it's funny how it's just how you're, it's your, it's what you see, how you're grown up with it. It's, there's so many different factors when you go to college, even when I went to college, there was a lot of drinking going on. But again, I never really got into it because number one, there was this idea that I'd never seen my parents drink. So there was this idea that maybe you shouldn't drink. And then there was this other side of people, well, there's nothing wrong, so I'll just taste. And so that for me, there was that was my evolution of, of dealing with it. But either way, down to the same road, just forget about it. And yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, because it, it's, 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 and I didn't even, honestly, I really didn't understand how toxic it was. I really thought alcohol was like, okay, if you just do a little bit, it's fine. But the more I've learning about this is the more now I'm just like, yeah, it's not even worth it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the other thing that's different today than back in, you know, Jesus's time, we are exposed to so many other toxins, you know, just environmental toxins that um that harm us you just don't need another toxin on top of that especially if it's a toxin we're choosing to put in our body there's a lot of toxins we're not choosing to put in our body you know that we just get exposed to um just because of the modern times and you know lack of environmental you know regulations and laws and that kind of thing i'm not trying to get political but i'm just saying that you know when companies are you know um you know, putting out into the environment, you know, certain chemicals and toxins, and you're just, you know, driving through the area and you might be ingesting them and not knowing, you know, that wasn't the case back in Jesus's day. You know, we, they didn't have those kind of environmental toxins and issues that, that we have today that we have to be concerned about. I mean, even as simple, and I'm just, this is going off the rails a little bit, but just, just humor me, but even things like air fresheners, for example, you know, you're, you know, you, you have these household air fresheners or you go into a store or you go into, you know, even like a, a medical facility and there are these, you know, things that are supposedly good to sanitize the air or whatever. Well, some of these things, you know, do have chemicals in them. Oh yeah. That's you're, not going off the rails. You're absolutely uh, right. Because what the skincare, the makeup, the yeah. shampoos, the, the, just the toxing in the air, depending on what part of the country you live in forest fires and this yeah. and that, or a plant that you're, you're, you're living close to, yeah. we're bombarded by toxins. And so that is why if you could minimize, like you're saying, what you have control over. Right. You know, that's right. what you can do because you you really are living in a toxic world. There is no 100% you're living in a bubble, but yeah. you can control the best of your ability, the food, the yeah. drinking, the smoking, those things you have control to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you just real quick. I was, I did a bike ride in the Delta in Mississippi. It's called, there's a real popular bike ride called Bikes, Blues and Bayous. It's a great ride. But I remember riding past this field of crops when the crop duster was coming through and spraying pesticides over the crops right in my air flow. Like, you know, here I am breathing hard because we're going really fast on the bike and I'm just ingesting these chemicals that are just being sprayed over the crops. And I remember thinking to myself, if I ever find out I have lung cancer, I know it's probably from wow, doing this from ride. That. Wow, I'm telling you. And so, that's going on the food. So there's yeah, just so many yeah, layers exactly, to that, you know exactly. what I mean? And so, so yeah, so, you know, we have to just do the best that we can. But yeah, yeah it's, it, you know, you listed so many health um issues that come up with alcohol but here's another spin to you know using alcohol it's the cost mm. like I know so many people I shouldn't say so many people but I know people that when they add up that bill at the end of that month that alcohol is big like mm -hmm. it's a big amount of funds that are spent because remember if you're somebody that drinks wine every day and especially if you enjoy expensive wines and, and and alcohols that adds up on the pocket oh yeah oh yeah i mean the average cost for a bottle of wine just a basic bottle is around 15 dollars. but you know people who drink and really love their wine they don't they don't bat an eye at spending, you know, upwards of 25, 30, even more on a bottle of wine. 
And if you think about beer, you know, for a six pack, it's between, you know, around seven to $14, depending on whether it's one of those, you know, macro mainstream beers or a craft beer, and also depending on where you live. Um, and, and then, you know, when you're talking about liquor, you're talking anywhere from 30 to $50, you know, for a 750 milliliter bottle on average, you know, certainly if you're getting a a top shelf vodka or tequila or rum or whatever, you know, you could spend upwards of $80 on a bottle of liquor. And, you know, and that's just, if you buy it yourself, when you go to restaurants, you know, depending on where you go, you know, a martini can easily cost, you know, $15, like just one drink, one martini or one glass of wine. Um, and so it, it, you're absolutely right. It adds up. It's like, you're spending money to poison yourself. And it just seems kind of counterintuitive. And I never looked at it that way until I quit drinking. And it kind of goes back to what we started talking about this, you know, this debate around alcohol. But when someone, you know, and maybe we need to add this when we're talking about the Healthy Christian Woman Boot Camp, because it's like the, the cost of two martinis, you know, is the cost of our boot camp. But it's just, you know, it, it is a big impact on the pocketbook, you know, um, just directly, just the direct cost of alcohol um, does impact our finances. I, I think in the end of it all, I think the message is, um, is, is asking yourself the right questions around alcohol, you yeah. know, it not, you know, you know, not whether you can find it in the Bible, but more so does it serve your body? Does it serve your health? And if you can't break away, you know, it's kind of like we talk about the addiction to food. If you find that even after I know all the facts and I know what I can do, and I said to myself, you know what, this is not for me. And you find that you cannot break away from alcohol, then it's time for you to either get help or get support to do that because now there might be a deeper layer that you might not be addressing. So it's for everyone to kind of assess for themselves. Try to try to say to yourself, you know, I'm not going to drink for another two months. And if you struggle with that to the mm -hmm. point where you cannot function, then you might want to say, you know what, I need to figure out a way to get support so that I can pull away from it because that's something deeper. Because a lot of times we don't want to say, like, we'll be like, oh, no, it's no big deal. It's just a drink. But ask somebody to give it up for a month and they struggle. And that is the red flag to say, well, you know what, yeah. maybe I need to step back. Maybe I need to get support. And maybe I need to figure this out on a deeper level. Yeah. 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 Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Healthy for My Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoyed the community and are walking away empowered and encouraged to live your healthiest life for your God-ordained purpose. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to enjoy fellowship with like-minded women. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Until we meet again, keep honoring your body for your purpose.